Hi, my name is Ariane. I'm a traveler and I run a travel blog. Join me each week as I discover life, love, and the world. This is my Wonderlust Journey podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Wonderlust Journey podcast. If you haven't listened to my last episode on planning your perfect cruise, I give some tips and insights on booking and selecting which cruise line and cruise is best for you. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I would go back and listen to that episode first and then continue on with this one. So in today's episode, now that you're booked your cruise, I'm going to go through getting ready for your upcoming trip, traveling on your cruise, and some of my personal tips and tricks for getting the most out of your cruise vacation. So the first step, now that you're all booked and final payments been made, the next step, of course, is checking in for your cruise. So again, usually once final payment is made, you can do your cruise check-in approximately 60 to 90 days prior to departure, depending on the cruise line. If you work with a travel agent, this is a service that we can help our clients with and what I typically do for my clients on their behalf. Check-in is completed through the cruise line's website. And some of the information that you'll need to provide to the cruise line is your emergency contact details of someone not traveling with you, credit card details to set up your onboard account. However, you can sometimes set up a cash account when arriving to the port. Again, a lot of this information will depend between cruise lines. You'll also need to provide full passport details of each traveler and sometimes also visa information for the countries you'll be visiting depending on the cruise. If you have a cabin assignment, so if you know your cabin number ahead of time when you booked, you'll be able to print all your boarding passes and luggage tags right away. However, if you've booked a guarantee cabin, usually you'll have to log into your account about a week prior to departure, sometimes five days, (laughs) to check in, see if they've given you your cabin assignment. Uh, My pro tip here, don't attach your cruise luggage tags until you actually leave for the port. So I attach mine to my luggage at the hotel right before I leave for the port. So the front desk can normally let you borrow a stapler or tape as you check out. And then I also print an extra luggage tag for my carry-on. This way I can see my cabin number easily on my handle of my carry-on instead of having to fish through papers when I'm on board. Okay, now packing for your cruise. I do get a lot of questions with clients in regard to what should I pack or do you have any ideas on some tips for that? So when you do pack for your cruise, there's definitely a few things to keep in mind. So the first question, does your ship have a dress code for the dining rooms at night? Another question is, are there gala nights on board? If so, how many? Do you know what your wine allowance is per guest or stateroom? What type of electrical outlets are there in the staterooms? These honestly are questions that a travel agent who's a cruise specialist can really help answer for you. 
but I'm going to tackle some of these questions right now. So first and foremost, most ships do somewhat have a dress code at night for the dining rooms or actually in the specialty dining restaurants. This can range from country club casual to a shirt and a blazer for men, usually no jeans or shorts. For women, again, no jeans or shorts. However, pants or skirt with a top and cocktail attire is acceptable on most cruise lines. For shoes, flip-flops are definitely a no-no at night. (laughs) Uh, Some cruise lines even frown upon runners and require proper dress shoes as well. This also comes to making sure that you're booked on the right cruise line for you. If you want something more casual, there's definitely options out there for you. In regards to gala nights, most cruise ships do have two formal nights on a seven-day cruise. Whilst it is becoming less popular, it's not a requirement to wear formal wear on most ships during these nights. It is a time where most people get photos done, especially with the captain. If you've got status with the cruise lines, sometimes they'll throw a cocktail party that night with the captain and senior officers. And it's sometimes fun that uh, I I actually enjoy the gala nights personally. It's a night to actually get dressed up and wear those clothes that you don't necessarily get to wear that often. So I like the gala nights, but again, you don't have to participate if you didn't want to. In regards to wine allowances... Uh, So most cruise ships do allow you to bring wine on board. However, some do charge a corkage fee to bring your own bottles on board. You can then consume your own wine either in your stateroom or in any of the restaurants. Some cruise lines do allow you to bring one or two bottles or more per stateroom or per guest at no charge to enjoy within your stateroom, but they will charge a corkage fee if you bring your own bottle to the restaurants. If this is something that is important to you, your travel agent will be able to advise what your wine allowances are for the cruise you booked. Next up, electrical outlets. So most ocean cruise ships have a mix of North American and European style outlets in each stateroom. Some cabins will actually have USB plugs near the beds to charge phones, or I use those to plug in things like my Sage Aromarome travel diffuser. There are some things that are a no-no to pack. If they scan your luggage and they do find these items in your bags, you're going to most likely have to go down to the naughty room, as we call it, (laughs) and collect your bags without the confiscated items. Some of the most popular items that are not allowed on board are irons. For clothes, hair straighteners are fine. Alcohol. Wine or champagne needs to be in your carry-on when you board the ship. Even if you're allowed the wine, it does still have to be in your carry-on. It cannot go into your checked bag. Cannot bring any weapons of any kind on board. Drones are actually a no-no with some cruise lines. Again, if you are planning to bring a drone on board, we would need to double-check with the cruise line that that's okay. 
any food products. So if you do need a certain milk for your coffee, tea, anything like that, it's actually better if we put in a special services request for you to have this available on board. Or if it's an absolute must, usually you can carry this item in your carry-on in a sealed, unopened, original container. However, any meat products, anything like that, will typically be banned from coming on board. Also fruits and vegetables. Bottles of water or pop are also not really allowed. So my travel hack here is that I actually bring a reusable water bottle when I cruise. I can fill it up anywhere, usually at the buffet. I can even stick lemon wedges in my water. But typically, I actually travel with a reusable water bottle and use the ship's filtration systems. Candles or incense or anything else that creates an open flame. Baby monitors, radios, and of course, also extension cords. So... It can be a popular tip or trick that you might see on some cruise forums. However, they actually are a banned item. And if they do scan your bags and you are caught having one, they will confiscate it. Most cruise lines now, the room stewards are actually told to unplug anything that is left plugged in. You should see a notice that they don't allow you to be charging anything in your room unless you're present. So if you do leave the room and you leave a phone plugged in to, to get recharged and the room steward does go in, just keep in mind that they might be unplugging it. Obviously, other things that aren't allowed to be brought on board are things like illegal drugs and CBD oils. Yes, I got asked about this once by a client. The answer is no. <laughs> in a lot of countries, it is still illegal. Here in Canada, it is not. However, in a lot of countries, CBD oil is still considered um, illegal. Last but not least, don't bring scissors on board either. <laughs> Uh, the travel size or a small pair are okay, just not a full pair of scissors that it, they consider that a weapon as well. So kind of think more TSA when you're going through and bringing things on board. Typically, if it's not really allowed to go through an airport security check, it's more than likely not going to be allowed on board. The only difference is that you can bring full bottles of shampoos, sunscreens, those types of things. But everything else, kind of think about if you're going to an airport, will this item make it through airport security? Cruise apps. So most cruise lines now have their own apps, and I'm personally really starting to like the apps that are becoming available through the different lines. You can usually open them on the ship, connect to the ship's Wi-Fi. It's free to use. Keep in mind that if your ship does not include Wi-Fi, Using the app will work. However, if you want to use social media or the internet, you still have to buy an internet package on board. So the app will be free to use, but everything else will be blocked. 
I do like the apps because I can keep on top of my onboard account, manage my specialty dining reservations, see the daily activities, and even manage spa or entertainment reservations. Again, this really depends on the cruise line, but it is nice to make sure that if you are on a budget and you're trying to look and make sure that you're not spending more than you should on alcohol, if you don't have a beverage package, or if you just wanted to make sure that uh, things were charged correctly, if you did buy something at the gift shop, I did have an incident once where... I was double charged for something, but because I was checking my onboard account, I was able to get that rectified right away. The other thing is you're not going to have that sticker shock at the end of the cruise. (laughs) So by managing your onboard account throughout your your trip, you're not going to be horrified when you get that envelope at the end of the cruise and see that quite a few things were either double charged because there was an accident on something or yeah it just it's a great way to kind of keep up to date on your spending. So now we're going to talk about arriving to your cruise and I'm going to be honest I've been in this industry long enough to see a fair share of people not take my advice and fly in the day of their cruise just to be delayed and miss their ship. not a fun situation to be in. I personally always recommend my clients to fly in the day before the cruise. I was even flying in the day before my Pacific coastal cruise, even though it was a short flight from Vancouver to San Diego. I don't trust that if a plane goes mechanical or any other delays due to weather or anything like that, that I will get there in time. So it's another good reason to have very good travel insurance just in case something does go wrong that you are covered because then you can be caught up to the next port. So another one of my most asked questions is what time should I arrive to the port to board my ship? That's really down to personal choice. I like to arrive to the port as early as I can, usually by 10 (laughs) a.m. Most ships do open their check-in counters by 10.30 a.m., and you can normally start boarding the ship by 11 to 11.30. If you have status with the cruise line you sail with, there are sometimes lounges you can take advantage of and enjoy your wait. When you arrive at the port, there's going to be a place to drop your larger luggage for your checked bag, and then you'll walk inside to wait for the check-in counters. Make sure to have your boarding pass and your ID, passport, etc. ready, as sometimes there'll be a security check before you get into the check-in counters, or possibly even customs. For instance, if you're going out of Canada on an Alaskan cruise, if you're going out of Vancouver, you'll actually clear U.S. customs in Vancouver before you actually get on the ship. Once you're at the check-in desks, again, this does depend on the cruise line. This is really for more larger cruise lines, some of the smaller ships, and on some river cruise ships, you're actually going to check in on board. You'll be asked for your boarding pass, your ID, again, this is your passport or your Nexus card, and your credit card that you registered for your onboard account. 
they will either take a photo of you or scan your passport and use that photo. You're then going to be given your cruise card. So your cruise card is everything. This is your credit card, your ID, and your cabin door key all in one. So it's really important you keep this card safe. If you do lose it, go to guest services immediately and report it missing. Also get them to print out your onboard account to make sure no one used your key card to make unauthorized purchases. The other thing I'm going to say about the cruise card is some people do tend to wear them on around their neck as lanyards. However, if you do want to do that, do not punch your own cruise card yourself. Either get the customer service desk to do it for you or the person at the check-in. They know where to punch the cards so that they don't hit any RFID chips or anything like that. Or what I'm seeing a lot more of now are the lanyards that you actually just slide your card into. Once on board, I usually head to the guest services desk first and pick up a daily. What is a daily, you ask? (laughs) So this is the daily schedule of all the activities on board. Kind of looks like a little newsletter. Once I've grabbed one of those, I head to the dining room that's open for lunch. So this is another one of my pro tips. Most cruises will have a sit-down dining option open for lunch. It's much quieter than trying to fight for space up in the buffet area. So once I've ordered lunch, I then start planning my strategy for the rest of the day using the daily that I picked up. Another pro tip of mine is you might have your carry-on for a couple hours before you have access to your room. So you might not get your check luggage either until after sail away. So I usually keep a swimsuit and a few other items in my carry-on just in case it's a beautiful day and I want to go for a swim before I see my checked bag. So then after lunch, I normally drop off my carry-on and my bag into the cabin. They will make an announcement once rooms are ready. This can be right when you board or usually sometime by two o'clock. Once I've checked into my cabin, I put my passport into the safe along with any of my valuables that can fit. So usually my I travel with my MacBook Air, jewelry, wallet. Again, you don't need your wallet <laughs> because your cruise card is your currency on board. Uh, so you don't need to walk around with your wallet. You can actually lock it up. Then for me, it's off to explore. So I normally explore a ship from the bottom decks to the top and really make sure you're wearing comfortable shoes. It's amazing how many steps you'll walk exploring a ship and especially on embarkation day. When exploring, this is when I'm going to refer back to my personal strategy I've highlighted in my daily (laughs) as there's usually some great taster events happening on board during the time of boarding up until muster drill, which is the emergency safety drill, and also into the early evening. So there's usually a lot going on on the first day, and even the shows that they'll show at night are sometimes taster shows of some of the entertainment that you'll be able to see upcoming evenings. 
Again, this is really what's going to depend on what is important to you and what types of activities you might be interested in. But if you're a family cruising together, the day of embarkation is a great time to go check out the kids club on board, fill out any necessary forms and sign them up for activities. I typically make sure I've checked out the spa and the thermal suites on board if I haven't purchased a spa pass ahead of time. And I also attend the spa raffle. (laughs) Might sound really cheesy, but I've won plenty of gift certificates for treatments and products before. And like the saying goes, you have to be in it to win it. So I usually attend that on board if I can. And since I've also been cruising solo a bit recently, I also make note of any solo traveler meetups on board as well. Usually the first meetup is right before the dinner hour on the day of embarkation. So it's sometimes nice to meet other solo travelers for dinner or a drink or just to recognize people in the hallways for a quick chat to see how each other's vacation has been going. A pro tip of mine is also make sure to look carefully at a map of the ship or check out cruisecritic.com and search the ship that you're sailing on for lesser known areas of the ship. You'd be surprised that there can be a lot of out of the way places to relax that most people don't find because they stick to the main decks. So for instance, when sailing on a few ships recently, there's a deck 19, which few people didn't really even know existed. And I was always able to find no one in the hot tub on that top deck in that side. So sometimes there's some little nooks and crannies that not many people realize just because they just stick to the main pool decks. Mustard drill. So this is the emergency drill. I actually get slightly entertained when it's someone's first mustard drill (laughs) to see the reactions on people's faces or the multitude of quick hands over the ears uh, when they experience the emergency alarm is interesting and I find quite amusing. (laughs) I want to reiterate though, do not miss this drill. It's mandatory and please pay attention. It's not the time to chat with your group or play on your phone. It is in the daily. You're going to find where to find your muster station. Also, any crew member will be able to help you find your muster station if you're not sure or if you didn't have a daily. Your muster station is usually printed on your cruise card on the front. It's also found located on the back door of your stateroom with a map of the quickest way to get to your muster station. Some cruise lines will require that you bring your life jackets from your cabin to the drill. Others do not require this. So please read the daily instructions on what you need to bring to the drill or watch on your TV and they'll explain for you in your stateroom. Once you arrive at your muster station, you'll need to check in with your cruise card or with your cabin number to the crew member in charge of your station. Make sure you arrive on time to your muster station. Five to ten minutes before the drill is set to begin is more than enough time. You will hear the emergency alarms on the ships go off. 
They will then go through the safety requirements and information over the ship's speaker systems. If you are late or do not check in to the drill, you will be required to make up the muster drill at another time. Again, this is a very important emergency drill. Please pay attention to the instructions, and even if you've done numerous drills in the past, please respect that others around you might not have. Sail away. One of my favorite parts of starting my cruise vacation. (laughs) There are so many options for sail away, and depending on which port you are leaving from, there might be different advantages. So, for instance, if you're sailing out of Vancouver on an Alaska cruise, head to the top deck of the cruise ship on a sunny day for beautiful panoramic views of Vancouver, the North Shore Mountains, and of course, sailing under the Lionsgate Bridge. Are you sailing out of Venice? If you have a balcony on the port side, the left side of the ship, you'll have amazing views of Piazza San Marco while cruising out of Venice. There is usually a sail away party somewhere on deck with live music to get the cruise started right. I usually make sure I pop a bottle of champagne or Prosecco and toast to a wonderful and safe adventure ahead. Again, you can always refer back to your daily or sometimes on the television, they'll also have activities posted. So you'll definitely be able to see where the party's at when it comes to sailing away. Cabins and staterooms on board. So whilst cabins and staterooms on board are a bit more compact, I guess you could say, than a standard hotel room, the storage nooks and crannies are plentiful. One of my most asked questions I get from clients is, where do I actually store my luggage? (laughs) So there's usually always room to store suitcases under the bed. You can typically store at least two to three good-sized ones there. What's included in your cabin or stateroom also varies depending on the cruise line, stateroom category, and the ship. If not having a coffee maker in your room is a deal breaker for you, make sure that you book the correct category or cruise line. Some cruise lines, only balconies and higher categories, have coffee makers in the staterooms. Some don't offer coffee makers in the room at all, but do offer room service included. Other cruise lines don't have coffee makers in any of the rooms, and they don't include room service either. (laughs) So depending on what you're needing. Also, when it comes to accessible staterooms, we can make sure that you're guaranteed one if that is something that's a requirement for you. So really kind of think of what is important to you when it comes to your space. If you want a sitting area, things like that, more closet space, a bath in the bathroom, all those things we can definitely take a look at. It's just going to depend on which category and which cruise line we book for you. Most cruise ships do also have a small refrigerator in the room. I personally usually ask my room cert to clear out the mini bar, if it's not included, of course. (laughs) Uh, So I have room to refrigerate my own wines, etc. For some people, a refrigerator is necessary to keep medications cold, so I do make sure, if this is a requirement for you, that there is a fridge in the room. If there isn't one, we can usually request this through the Cruise Line Special Services Department. As I mentioned already previously, there's also quite a few electrical outlets available 
typically in your stateroom. I actually bring a European adapter so I can utilize all the plugs in my cabin, especially if I'm traveling with a friend or family member. That way, no one is fighting over an outlet. <laughs> I do also bring my hair tools as they have North American style plugs on board. Even if I'm cruising the Mediterranean or the Baltic Sea, I can still make sure that my hair is styled without worrying that I'm going to blow up my device. <laughs> There's also tons of other tips and tricks you can find online. Some cabin walls are actually metal, so if you want more storage, I know a few avid cruisers who travel with magnetic hooks to have extra hooks in the room. I've never personally had any problem with storage, even if I've ended up sharing a stateroom with someone. So it really just depends on what's going to be better suited to you. In regards to your room stored, you can expect your room to be tidied a couple times per day. Usually they'll come by mid-morning. The last time for tearing down service is usually during dinner hours. The delivery of your daily and any important notes for the next day will normally be placed on your bed or on the desk during turndown service. It is a bit of a rule of thumb in the cruising world to not have your do not disturb light or sign on unless you're actually physically in the room. If they do see that you constantly have your do not disturb sign on, they will leave a note for you to contact guest services. They also just want to make sure that everything in the room is okay. Usually you will meet your room steward on embarkation day. They're usually roaming around the halls introducing themselves. So definitely if you do see your room steward, they'll pop in if they notice that your door is open. So it's a great time to kind of get to know them and if you have any preferences. If you do have butler service on board, usually they're pretty attentive as to your arrival and they will come by to greet you to make sure that everything is set up to your preferences. Dining. So once on board, you can head to the dining reservations desk and make any dining reservations you might want or in need to change. This is another reason why it is great to be an early bird on board the ship. So before lunch, you can always set up that time in case you weren't able to get into a restaurant that you really wanted to try. You can always make those reservations first and foremost before anybody else gets on board. Most cruise lines now do dining reservations ahead of time online. However, there are some that you need to make once on board or if you need to amend any within seven days prior to cruise departure, you do have to make those amendments on board as well. Most cruise lines will not accept dining reservations for the main dining rooms. It's either set time, so this is chosen or assigned when you booked certain cruise lines, or there's open seating or freestyle dining on other cruise lines where you'll be seated as you show up for dinner. Some cruise lines are now using a system similar to restaurants where you check in and then you're given a buzzer for when your table is ready if there is a wait. Does not mean you can take that buzzer and walk to the other side of the ship. <laughs> 
you'll still have to kind of hang hang by, but it's just a more convenient way to wait than having them call your name. When it comes to room service, this again, everything depends on the on the cruise line. <laughs> Some don't charge for room service and they'll even serve you your evening meal course by course. Some they'll just deliver the room service for you. Others, there is a set service fee. And finally, some cruise lines actually have a la carte pricing when it comes to the room service menu. Your cruise professional can advise you ahead of time what room service fees your cruise has, if any. Shore excursions and leaving the ship. Another reason I wanted to cover this topic is the expectations of getting on and off the ship for shore excursions, depending on the cruise line you're sailing on. So no matter what size of ship you're going to be on, this time of embarkation and disembarkation, I've really learned to pack my patience, especially if you're tendering. <laughs> tendering means that you're taking a boat from the ship to the shore and vice versa. So be sure to grab your tender tickets the moment they are available for distribution. Some people on larger cruise ships have learned this lesson the hard way that if you're not on it and have read the daily of where and when the distribution of tender tickets starts, they find themselves one of the last to be able to leave the ship, which means you could be waiting between one and two hours just to get off the ship, depending on the port. So really pay attention if you do know that you are going to be tendering on your itinerary, where and when the tender ticket distribution is, if that's the system that the cruise line is using. Some of the smaller ships, it's based on, especially if you're doing an expedition style cruise, it's essentially sometimes a lottery system for Zodiac trips, things like that. So really pay attention to what your itinerary says in regards to tendering and those types of things. Once you've grabbed your ticket, then be prepared, as I mentioned, to wait until your number or color is called. But do not wait near any exits either. Just go have a coffee, something like that. Go enjoy breakfast. Just Pay attention to the announcements and be ready once your cruise tender ticket is called. That being said, it's also really important to make sure you have a buffer time for shore excursions that you've booked on your own or through a third party. Shore excursions booked through the ship will have priority. When you depart the ship, you'll need to bring your cruise card with you. You will be scanned as you leave and when you return so they know who is missing if you miss the all aboard call. All aboard is typically 30 minutes before sail away, so make sure you plan accordingly. You'll be able to see the all aboard time as you leave the vessel and also in the daily. You don't want to be one of those people running after the ship at a port. Yes, I have actually seen this or taking that selfie with the ship sailing away without you in the background. 
So really keep in mind your all aboard call and keep track of the time. Most ports also will not allow any food or beverages off the ship. So don't do what I did and try to take that Starbucks latte to go off the ship or you'll be forced to knock it back or leave it behind. I chose the latter. Water is allowed, however, please be mindful when refilling your water bottle in the buffet area or other public areas as well. Always use a glass, then pour the water into your bottle. Don't refill your bottle directly under the spout. It's just common courtesy to everybody, especially in the day and age we live in now with spreading germs. Also, you don't need to take your passport off the ship in every country. I usually take my Canadian driver's license and a photocopy of my passport photo page with me. If for some reason you miss the ship and you don't board in time, a senior officer will check your safe in your stateroom and leave your passport with port officials so you can make your own way to catch up to the ship. It's really not necessary. I usually keep my passport, like I said before, in the safe and I don't take it off the ship. Some cruises, they're actually going to hold on to your passport anyways during check-in. So this is so that if the officials need to see your passport, you're not called down to the purser's office at 5.30 in the morning to present your passport to immigration. In saying that, like I mentioned, some countries will require you to have your passport. For instance, if you're a Canadian traveling on a Europe cruise, a Mediterranean cruise, you're more than likely going to be able to keep your passport in the safe in your stateroom or they will keep it at guest services locked away for you. If you are doing a Baltic cruise and you're going into Russia, you will be required to take your passport off the ship with you. So now that we dealt with that, (laughs) when you're ready to return from your day exploring the port, Make sure you have your cruise card ready once you get back to the terminal. Once at the terminal, you're sometimes going to have to go through a security checkpoint before getting back onto the ship. Again, this depends on the country, the port, it depends on a lot of different things. Some will have security inside the terminal, some won't. However, Once you actually get to the ship, you will then have to either go through an additional security checkpoint or that's where you'll go through the security. So once you're scanned and on board, again, if you do do a secondary security scan on the ship, this is where you want to make sure you didn't buy any prohibited items or if you purchased any alcohol, this is where you'll have to declare it for them to either store it on board for you or you'll pay a corkage fee if they impose it on board. Medical services on board. Yes, cruise ships do have medical centers on board, and the cost to use these services are very steep. So make sure to use them only in emergencies, and make sure to give them your travel insurance information. Usually this is added to your onboard account, as they do rarely direct bill to insurance. So if you do find yourself seasick, I would actually recommend you go and visit guest services. They do have a supply of seasickness tablets that they usually provide to guests at no charge. 
You can also find some over-the-counter pharmacy products in the gift shop, such as ibuprofen, cough medicine, allergy tablets, etc. However, the gift shops are set to specific hours and are not open while in port, usually due to local laws and restrictions. I also wanted to take this time to kind of have a chat about cleanliness and washing your hands on board a cruise ship. So a lot of companies now, they've actually renovated bathrooms so that either the doors are automatic or there's a paper towel dispenser right near the door so that you can open up the door handles with the paper towel and then throw it directly into the garbage from there. Always be sure to constantly wash your hands, more so because of things like Norwalk virus, and now we've had incidences with coronavirus or COVID-19. So it's really good to have a reminder that washing hands is really imperative, especially with dealing with so many people on cruise ships whether that be a cruise that's 200 passengers or a cruise that can hold up to 4,000 passengers, it's really, really a good idea to be constantly washing your hands or using the antibacterial hand gel that they provide throughout the ship. I've actually even mentioned this little pro hack that I do on other episodes, but I do bring Lysol wipes with me. And when I do enter my cabin for the first time, I do just wipe down anything that is popularly touched. So for instance, door handles, remote controls, phones, anything that is normally touched quite often by a previous guest, I will just wipe down with a Lysol wipe to make sure that it is disinfected completely. When you approach a dining room to go in to eat, whether that be the dining room, specialty dining, the buffet, you'll always either have a staff member who has a spray bottle that will be spraying an antibacterial hand gel into your hand, or they'll have the dispensers. Make sure you do use that. I also use antibacterial hand gel once I've touched a menu. It's just an added level of protection against germs because a lot of these restaurants, they don't necessarily have a lot of time to be disinfecting the menus in between guests. So I'm going to end with a very popular Ask Questions, which is in regards to upgrades. So you might have heard of the terminology, the glorious upgrade fairy. So yes, that does happen. (laughs) It usually does depend on your status with a cruise line. Sometimes that doesn't necessarily come into it. Sometimes even first-time cruisers have been known to be upgraded because they do want to get you hooked. So upgrades do happen. 
There are some cruise lines that are now using bidding programs ahead of time, so you can actually bid for an upgrade. This is actually happening even with airlines. So keep an eye on your inbox, usually after final payments have been made, so the 120 to 90 days prior to departure. Sometimes that's when you're going to start to see either upgrade offers come into your inbox or your travel agent will reach out to you and let you know that you have been selected to either bid on an upgrade or if you received one. So in conclusion, these are just a few quick tips and tricks of how to get the most of your cruise and scenarios you might encounter. When you book a cruise through myself, I do offer a service to go over any of the questions my clients have one-on-one and give tips based on the ship and cruise line they're sailing on, especially if it's a ship I've sailed on myself. I also do have reviews of my cruises on my blog and will continue to rate these ship reviews going forward. As I am a travel agent who specializes in cruising, I'd love to help you plan your next cruise vacation. So please feel free to contact me for a free cruise vacation consultation via my website or sending me a direct message on Instagram. Until next time, safe travels and happy cruising. I hope you found today's episode on getting the most out of your cruise vacation helpful and inspiring. Be sure to check out my blog post for this episode at wonderlessjourney.ca and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'd be so grateful if you can leave me a review and share this podcast with friends. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if you have any topics in mind you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please email me at podcasts at wonderlessjourney.ca or send me a message on Instagram at wonderlessjourney.ca. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.